Well, good evening, Calvary Chapel of Cheyenne. Uh, it's nice to see you all again, um, even if it's uh, online rather than in person. We seem to have uh, reached the point of um, this coronavirus ordeal where uh, we're experiencing time a little bit differently. I'm here um, recording the Wednesday night service in the morning, um, which is a little odd for me, but that's all right. We'll, we're going to roll with that and keep going. Um, I'm Cody Bordwick. I'm the Next Generation Pastor here at Calvary Chapel. Um, I have the privilege tonight of uh, once again teaching uh, from the book of Exodus for you all. Um, so tonight we're going to be uh, continuing our time in Exodus, uh, the second portion of the Pentateuch. Um, going through uh, this past few months, uh, the beginning of the Old Testament, we've seen the creation and fall of man. Uh, we've seen God's promise of the one who would come to defeat sin and restore man's relationship with God. Uh, we've seen God's covenant with Abraham to give his offspring a land to bless them and through them to bless all mankind. Uh, more immediately, we've seen Israel enslaved in Egypt as foretold by God to Abraham. And we've seen God's miraculous hand in bringing them out of slavery. Through all of this, we've learned a great deal about God about who he is, about what he values, about his power, his grace, his sovereignty, and his faithfulness. Uh, last week, we saw in Exodus chapter 17, Israel encamped in a location with no water. The people questioned Moses, their leader. They wondered if God had forsaken them. And after a miraculous intervention through the hand of Moses, we saw water brought forth from a rock. We saw the people and the livestock saved by the hand of God through this. And after this great work that surely would have strengthened the faith of the nation of Israel, they faced their first major military threat since departing Egypt. Joshua, their future leader, commanded a select group of fighting men, and Moses oversaw the battle from a nearby mountain. In this battle, God gave Israel another visible sign of his power and favor as the tide of the battle shifted sides based on Moses raising or lowering his staff. Israel emerged victorious and strengthened for the battle on the journey ahead, or at least we would hope so. And so here in Exodus 18, the narrative picks up with Israel encamped at Mount Sinai. There's no impending crisis. The people's faith seems to be relatively firm at this point in time. It appears to be a more restful moment in their journey and a glimpse into the routine of life during the Exodus. Uh, as we look at this chapter more, there is some debate as to how it fits in with the rest of the book of Exodus. Chapter 19 describes Israel's arrival at Mount Sinai. And while it's clear in chapter 18 that they're already at Sinai, it has been suggested by some scholars that the events of chapter 18 receive their place in the narrative thematically rather than chronologically. This would also fit with chapter 18's position as a turning point of the book of Exodus. The preceding 17 chapters chronicle past events and remind Israel of where they have been and what God has brought them through. The 22 chapters following look forward to where Israel is headed and how they are to relate to God in the future. It also seems possible that the beginning of chapter 19 is simply recapping events that have already occurred. Either way, it doesn't change how we approach this. Some questions addressed by this chapter include, how do our memories shape our ideas about God, our relationship with him, 
our worship? What about other people? What is the proper role of a leader? How should leaders spend their time? So let's go ahead and take a look at Exodus chapter 18. Uh, Starting off in verse 1. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife Zipporah after he had sent her away, and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped at the Mount of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons with her. Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit, you alone sit as judge, and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people came to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between man and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I shall give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of the people able men who fear God, of, who fear God men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the people at all times. The difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land.
And so we see as we go through this passage uh, that Jethro was encouraged and driven to worship upon hearing the work that God had done with Moses and Israel. We see all that had happened to Israel described as good. Pharaoh's defeat and the trials Israel faced in the wilderness had the desired effect of building a reputation for Israel and for their God. We also see in the second portion of the chapter that as the leader slash prophet, Moses had assumed a larger amount of responsibility than was sustainable. He needed outside advice from someone older and wiser. He needed the help of faithful men who could share the burden of judgment so that he could better lead the people in his role. Retelling and sharing the work of God can encourage others, can strengthen their faith, and can lead them to worship and obey, bringing God glory. Even an exceptional leader like Moses can be susceptible to overcommitment and feeling pressured to do everything. Appropriate delegation of responsibility and sharing the burden of leadership allow a leader to better serve in their role and to avoid burnout. So there's some of the key points to keep in mind as we slow down and walk through this passage once more. On verse 1, we see the chapter open with Jethro, the priest of Midian. We're reminded that Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. From what we've seen elsewhere in Exodus, it appears that Jethro is an upstanding man who worships God, uh, who is even a priest of God, who makes sacrifices to God and leads others in worship of him. We also see that the word of Israel's journey and the mighty works that God had performed in their defense had begun to travel. People were hearing about what God had done, and Israel's reputation, and with it God's reputation, were beginning to spread throughout the region. Uh, We'll see this become more and more evident in Israel's dealings with other nations as they continue their journey and enter into the Promised Land. Uh, We look again um, in verse 2. It says that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife, Zipporah, after he had sent her away, and her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom, uh, for Moses said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And so we see here that at some point, Moses had sent his wife and his sons home to stay with Jethro. Uh, we're not told exactly when or why he had done this, um, but that did happen. The names of Moses' sons were Gershom, which, and when pronounced in Hebrew, sounds like their word for sojourner. The other son was Eliezer, which means God is my help. It's interesting to note the name meanings of many of the Old Testament patriarchs and leaders. Oftentimes, the names seem to be connected with what is going on in the lives of their parents at that point in time. They will often serve as reminders of God's faithfulness to their parents. Gershom was born before Moses' encounter with God through the burning bush. His title of sojourner was very descriptive of Moses' position in life at that point. A sojourner in a foreign land. Eliezer is first mentioned in this passage. And his name's meaning, God is help, seems to illustrate the shift in Moses' role and his place in life his dependence on God and God's leading in his life. We see in verse 5 that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped at the Mount of God. Um, So we see uh, throughout the Exodus 
um, even some other portions of scripture, the Mount of God generally refers to Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb. Um, We see this mountain fulfilling a lot of significance uh, within the Old Testament. Um, Most definitively, um, as we get in the next few weeks into the giving of the law and the Ten Commandments, uh, we see Moses interacting with God on Mount Sinai. Uh, So Israel at this point is at the base of Mount Sinai. They've traveled there. They're getting ready for the giving of the law. Uh, We see through Jethro and Moses' interaction um, in the following verses, that they have a positive relationship, uh, that Moses sees Jethro as as a mentor, as someone to look to for guidance and for advice. And so he's obviously willing to listen to what Jethro has to say and to, to seek God's will and wise counsel in this manner. Uh, we pick up again in verse 10. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. And so we see that Jethro had heard a bit about what had happened to Israel and he wanted to hear more. Uh, He wanted to hear more about what God had done with Pharaoh and with the nation of Egypt. He wanted to hear about their hardships in the wilderness, how God had worked through that. And he wanted to hear about how God had delivered Israel through all of these obstacles. We see that Jethro was encouraged and brought joy by hearing of God's work. Um, And because of this, Jethro was led to praise and worship God because of what he had done, because he had heard an encouraging word of what God had done through the nation of Israel. Jethro praised God through this, um, and they also proved God's supremacy to Jethro, hearing stories of all that God had done here, um, hearing stories of God's triumph over Pharaoh, over the land of Egypt, over their gods, um, of his deliverance of Israel through trials, his divine provision for them, reminded Jethro that God was their God, that God was supreme over all other gods. Verse 12 says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so we see um, not only was Jethro encouraged and led to praise God through this, but he acted on that. That he offered sacrifices to God and he ate a meal, um, some sort of celebration um, or covenantal celebration with the leaders of Israel, um, just, again, to commemorate what God had done here. Verse 13 says, It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. And so this is obviously happening while Jethro was still there, visiting, accompanying Moses um, as he goes about his day-to-day life here in the camp. We see Moses serving as judge before the people, um, that he's doing it all day long, um, that he's really spending a lot of time dealing with the individual people of Israel and their issues um, and conflicts that arise. Uh, Jethro is not sure about this. He, he sees some issues here. And so in verse 14, uh, he asks Moses, it says that now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, 
what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? I see that this is a problem. Um, but why is Moses taking such a heavy load of dealing with all these relatively minor issues? Um, why is he doing so much of this, wearing himself out? Moses responds in verse 15. Uh, Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. And so we see that the people are lo- looking to Moses for guidance, um, for divine wisdom from the Lord, um, and for help in judging and um, settling their disputes. Um, Moses apparently thought he was the only one who could fill this role. Um, that he was the intermediary between God, that he was the one who had the prophecies and had the word from God to share with the people, to lead the people. Um, But apparently he hadn't thought through the fact that maybe other people um, could help in this endeavor, um, that they would be able to have wisdom, and that perhaps direct revelation from God wasn't necessary for every one of these cases. Um. We see also that there were disputes in the camp of Israel, that um, this people group led by uh, the prophet, the leader Moses, um, led by the pillar of cloud and of fire, um, the presence of God himself, still had issues and disagreements that arose, um, that they needed wise people over them to help them settle these things and to deal with the conflicts that arise in day-to-day life. And we see part of Moses' role here is also making God's law known, that it's not just that direct prophecy, but also just teaching people how to follow God, how to um, know his law, to interpret that, to apply that to their lives. And so we see Jethro's response to Moses, uh, starting in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I shall give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will also go to their place in peace." And so Jethro recognizes that this is, again, an issue, uh, that Moses could not handle this kind of workload. He would burn out. Um, He also sees that the people grow weary of Moses' judgment, that taking on more than he can really handle, uh, more than is healthy for him to deal with, that Moses' leadership would suffer and the people would see that. Um, They would be unhappy with Moses' leadership. Jethro sees that Moses had taken on too much for one man. 
And so he offers advice. Uh, he first off reminds Moses that God is with him. Um, this could have been meant as some sort of blessing um, or as a reminder of the outcome of following sound advice and seeking the Lord, that God is with Moses. Jethro's advice also is on a more practical level, that Moses should represent the people before God as he had been doing, as their intermediary, as the prophet. And that Moses should also teach the people the law and how to follow it, that they would be able to deal with some of these issues on their own, um, that they could learn how to interpret and apply these things themselves and to sort through these issues. Jethro also advises Moses that he should delegate some of the role of judgment to able leaders. Jethro instructs Moses to select men who fear God, who are honest, and who will not seek gain wrongly. Men who are qualified to judge, to lead, and to help the people with their issues. Uh, these able men, Jethro says, should be able to handle the minor issues, the majority of the issues that come up within the camp. And anything beyond that, um, things that are, are larger or require more wisdom or even more input from God, um, Jethro says that Moses could deal with. Um, he says that taking these steps would ease Moses' workload. That these able men that Moses should select could share the burden of working with the people. Jethro advises Moses to follow this guidance, to follow God's guidance, so that he can avoid um, just burning out um, of just running himself ragged, trying to care for all these people. And so that the people will be satisfied with their judgment, with the way their disputes are handled, and with their leader. And Jethro says that one of the outcomes of this would be peace amongst the people and in the camp. Uh, we see how Moses responds to this advice in verse 24. It says, So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went on his way into his own land. And so we see Moses um, looking to Jethro and heeding his advice, um, that he saw how sound this was, how valuable this was, um, how much this could help him, um, and really how much this was driven and directed by God. Uh, Moses followed Jethro's advice in full, it says, that he, he did exactly as Jethro had advised him to do. Moses chose able leaders from among the people. Moses gave these leaders different levels of responsibility. So we see that there's leaders of uh, thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, um, that not every man was maybe necessarily able to handle um, a higher level of leadership, but they were given a level appropriate to their maturity and their ability. And we see that these men were able to judge the people. Um, that they were able to take on the burden of this constant um, dealing with disputes and with difficulties that arise, um, that they could take on that role and re relieve Moses of that. Um, we see that difficult issues, as advised by Jethro, were still brought to Moses, but that had to be a much, much lesser quantity 
than what he had been doing before, dealing with everything that came up. And so we see at the close of this that Moses bids goodbye to his father-in-law, that Jethro returns back home to his own land. And so as we go through this passage, there's two key takeaway points that I think we should focus on. That sharing what God has done with others um, is, is important, is valuable. We see that in the first part, in Moses' initial interactions with Jethro. And the second portion of this chapter, we see that not trying to be Superman and to do all things at all times, to be the leader who doesn't need help, who handles everything on his own, um, we see that that's not healthy, that it's not sustainable, and that's not what God desires. Uh, last week, we talked about the importance of remembrance in our faith. Remembering what God has done, what God has brought us through, and who God is. Remembering God's past faithfulness is crucial for us to maintain an accurate perspective on life and to keep our doubts and our complaints at bay. But these reminders of God's faithfulness are not merely for our own personal lives. Sharing about how we have seen God work in our lives can prove immensely beneficial to those around us. Have you ever rejoiced after hearing about a successful mission trip that someone went on? Has your faith been strengthened by hearing the testimony of how someone came to salvation? Have you been reminded of God's character by a story about how he's worked in a friend's life? God has designed us to live in community with one another. It's a little difficult right now, but I think these lessons stand nonetheless. The one aspect of this community is to encourage one another in our walks of faith, to seek the Lord, and um, to follow after him. One way we can do this is to remind each other of who God is and how we have seen him. Preach the gospel to yourselves, to your family, to your friends and your neighbors. Remind one another of the God that we serve. Help drive each other to worship, to obedience, and a stronger faith by speaking of God's faithfulness. The second application point relates to leadership. Um, We're going to look for a moment here in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, So if we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34, um, verse 10 speaks of Moses. Um, I, I really enjoy looking at the book of Deuteronomy. Um, because it covers so much of the same material that we see in the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Uh, but Deuteronomy gives us some added theological commentary on what's going on behind the scenes and why it's happening and what God is doing. Um, so we see in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, um, this is at the end of Israel's wanderings of the Exodus. Um, and it says that, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. And so we're reminded here that Moses was unique in his role as a leader and his relationship with God. Moses had a closeness with God that few could rival until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit under the new covenant. Moses was commissioned by God to lead his chosen people. Moses performed great miracles in God's power. God defended Moses when others questioned him, and God spoke face to face with Moses. Despite all of these things, Moses still had limitations. 
God deliberately created mankind with limitations. Denying these limitations can be disastrous for us and for the people around us. Moses knew that Jethro was a man who would offer wise counsel, advice worth considering. Moses learned that trying to bear the full burden of judging the people, of leading them in their day-to-day lives, would be too much for him to handle. It was not practical or sustainable. Obeying God and his calling to Moses did not necessitate dealing with every single person and problem that arose. Removing these smaller concerns allowed Moses to focus on the greater issues more fully and helped to prevent him from running himself ragged and providing subpar leadership to the people. Most of us in our lives will serve in some sort of leadership capacity, whether that's leading a family, a team, a business, or a ministry. We can't do it on our own. Sometimes we need advice. Sometimes we need to delegate responsibilities to capable helpers. If Moses needed to do this, how much more do you and I? And we see as we go through this chapter that the things we experience in life and the difficulties we face can often serve to strengthen the faith of others and to lead them to praise and glorify God. We can take heart knowing this and should be excited to hear and tell of God's work and glory in our lives. Those in positions of leadership should be wary of bearing the burden alone and trying to meet every need on their own. Leaders should be quick to hear wise counsel and should seek out capable co-leaders that can share the load. Another interesting note as we go through this, um, we'll see a little bit more of who Moses is, of his role and his character. Uh, Moses is a fascinating person to study as we go through the scriptures. Moses provides us with lessons in leadership, lessons in obedience, and with lessons in God's ability to work in and through flawed people. Moses also gives us a glimpse of what the coming Messiah would look like in some ways. In Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses prophesies that God would raise up for you, the people of Israel, a prophet like me. The ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy is found in Jesus. As a type of the coming Christ, Moses points us toward the ultimate deliverer, a prophet, priest, and king who shares many of Moses' characteristics, but is unburdened by mortal flesh and sinful nature, as Moses still was. A judge who does not grow weary or need help. A perfect leader to guide us to our eternal home. So I would encourage us to remember this leader and all he has done for us as we go through life and to look for him, look to him for strength and guidance as we journey through this world. Thank you for uh, taking the time to join me in this. Um, I hope that it was as encouraging for you as it was for me. Um, I pray that you would all do well and that you would join us again um, as, as we continue our, our time of learning here online. Uh, let me close us in prayer. Lord God, we praise you um, for your power and your faithfulness, Lord, your justice and mercy, your goodness and your glory, God. Um, I thank you just for the truth of your word that we can come before you and know more of who you are, Lord. Um, I thank you for um, just reminding us, God, of the importance of sharing the work you've done in our lives with others, um, to encourage each other, to help strengthen each other's faith, and to bring you glory, Lord. I pray that you would help us to do that in our own lives um, and the different roles you've placed us in, God, that we 
um, we would just be able to help each other walk through life, Lord. I pray that you'd also help those of us um, that are leaders, be that over uh, one person or over many, God, that we would uh, not feel the full burden of, of doing that alone, Lord, that we'd be willing to delegate responsibility, to seek help and advice, Lord, and to honor you in this manner. God, I pray that you would watch over us um, as a, a church family, Lord, that you would um, keep us safe and healthy in this time of uncertainty, Lord. And we pray that you would bring us all back together to worship and glorify you again soon. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.